What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Fitness for Thought. We got a little story time here because French just told me something crazy. So, French, tell me what you just told me. What's up, guys? A little story time with French here to kick off this episode. You're Before never... we get into some actual informational <laughs> content. Dude, this is informational. I don't care what anybody says. You're definitely going to want to stick around for this. So, people that know me know that I don't really... Um, I don't really drink. I don't really do recreational drugs like that. I'm not here to say that they're good or bad. It's just not really my thing. But there was a situation in my life about two years ago where, long story short, I'm about 90% sure that I ate some pot brownies. (laughs) (laughs) And... Yeah, I'm just going to get right into it. So, that, that knowing you, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Exactly. Like if you know me, like some people will say like, dude, like I want to like you seem high just with, talking to you. Yeah. Just, when you get on one of you, when uh, it, when you get in one of your moods yeah. and you just keep talking saying the same shit. Oh yeah. It's it's very it's hilarious or it's the worst thing ever depending mm-hmm. on who you are yep. or what kind of mood you're in. Yep. So, <laughs> basically So picture this. I'm a sophomore at Simpson College. Um, And, you know, I'm in my dorm room. I got two roommates. I'm going to leave names out. I'm going to leave names out for anonymity. Um, So let's just call my roommate Bob. Fucking most bland name ever. Um, The most white name ever. But uh, so Bob liked to smoke like he liked to smoke pot. A lot of college students smoked pot, nothing like nothing crazy, not like he was doing hard drugs or anything like that. Pretty innocent. And uh, this guy also had a girlfriend. Um, gosh, what's my name? Her, uh, Sammy. Was the same words. His girlfriend was Sammy. And, you know, most weekends it was pretty, you know, pretty predictable that he would either go and she went to a different school. He would either go visit her for the weekend or she would come to our dorm and stay the weekend it was just kind of a regular thing and a lot of where you got were you guys close just friendly um yeah not like super close because when i had transferred in there i got put with just like random people yeah and was this your four person room yeah it was a so it was a four person room with only three people so it was was a little bit it was kind of spacious actually which was nice and i didn't know these guys coming into the school year but they were they were cool dudes i ended up rooming with them uh for two years actually and sometimes so when she would come over to our apartment or our dorm room, sometimes she would bake for us. Like we didn't have, uh, we didn't have a kitchen or an oven in our room, so she would just like bake something either down in the communal oven there at Simpson, or she would bake it before she left and just bring a bunch for us. So we in a would... video clip of this. Oh God! Right. <laughs> As a teaser. All right. So we would. Um, she would give she would bake some stuff for us whether that be cookies or are you gonna hit record on that shit i don't care um throw my whole career down the drain find out i'm a druggie um so yeah she would bake us cookies or like rice krispie treats or brownies you know just a nice gesture um since you know she was staying in her room not that she had to do that or anything like that but it was just a nice gesture to do she's a pretty good cook um so she would usually just be like hey you guys can have some or, or 
my roommate Bob would be like, yeah, guys, feel free to take some. So I kind of just became sort of a regular thing. So fast forward, you know, I kind of get into the groove of, you know, every other weekend or so she would be in our dorm, stay in the weekend. And there were brownies one weekend. So I was like, oh, brownies. Sammy made brownies. I'm just going to take a couple for myself because, you know, just kind of the regular routine. Now, mind you, I didn't ask. So I would later find out or just assume that she didn't really bake them at all. (laughs) Bake. No pun intended. (laughs) So I ate. Now, here's here's where the story gets a little murky. I can't remember if I ate one or two. I definitely didn't have more than two. I had at least one. I feel like it might have been two or like or like one and a half, maybe like one and then a broken off piece of another one at least. Um, let's just say two for the sake of the story. At least one though. No, I'd never done <laughs> Yeah, dude, I actually zoned out and ate the whole bag. Um, but um, later that night, you know, this was like in the like at late afternoon, early evening when I ate these and I started feeling – different than I had ever felt before in my entire existence on this earth. And I can only, I can only explain it as having an out of body experience. Like I felt like, I felt like I wasn't in control of my body. Like, and then later I got super hungry, which I guess is called the munchies. You know, I later, I later put the pieces together And I remember, like, I ate, like, a regular dinner for me, which was, like, chicken and, like, potatoes or rice or something. I fucking scarfed that down. And it felt like I... It's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie, like, where you're putting the pieces together at the end. You're like, oh. Yeah, dude. Just wait till the... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, basically, and then I was like, dude, that felt like nothing. Like, I'm super hungry. And then I was eating some popcorn. And I remember as I'm shoveling the popcorn into my mouth, like, I was like, is this even, like, am I using my hand to put this in my mouth? Because I had, like, no, like, body awareness at all. I just felt the popcorn in my mouth and me just, like, shoveling down my gullet. I can't even remember, dude. I just remember (laughs) I was, like, I was, like, fucking zoned in on this popcorn. Like, I was probably, I don't even think I was, like, watching tv or anything i was probably just like staring at the popcorn bag just shoveling it in my mouth um so yeah i did that and then i went to bed and then i woke up the next morning and i felt virtually the same so it didn't wear off whatever this feeling i was experiencing and you know i was like dude i don't feel well i don't feel right i don't know what this is but i gotta go to class so i'm like one thing about me is I like never skip class unless I'm like actually sick. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to class. Um, don't really remember anything from that day. Um, shit. I could have went there without clothes on for all I know. Honestly, like it was, it was bad guys. It was bad. And I remember I worked out that day and I was bench pressing and I was like, you know, I feel like I'm probably going to drop this bar on my neck pretty soon <laughs> because I can't even like feel my hands gripping the bar. Like, I don't even know, like, if I'm just like imagining this or what, but somehow I made it through that workout without killing myself. And then, and then I had an open gym for basketball later that day, which I was, I mean, shit, I could have just not, maybe I didn't even go to that. Honestly, I remember like being there and I think playing, but again, like 
I couldn't feel like my, I had no body awareness. So it wasn't like I could feel myself running. Like for all I know, I could have just been standing at mid court the whole game, imagining the whole thing. And yeah. And then I, the rest of that day was pretty much a blur. And I remember, I remember talking to like my mom and I think someone else, like, and I remember talking, I was like, yeah, I feel like really weird. Like, it's not like I'm have the flu, but I've never felt this way before. Oh, and wow. like, and then I went to bed that night and then the next day it was like, okay, like I was pretty, I was still a little like foggy, but I was pretty much bad back to normal. So it was probably like close to two full days before it finally got out of my system. And at first I was just like, dude, that was so weird. Like I didn't even think anything of it. And then I can't remember when this was in relation to the incident, but. I, w- I wish I could see your face like when you put these pieces together. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was, it picked my jaw up off the floor. <laughs> but I, my, so my roommate, he was like just talking about like, you know, somehow the subject of pot came up as it did from time to time in our room. And he was like, oh yeah, like comparing the different types. He's like, he's like, well, yeah, edible, like edibles, you got to be careful because I mean, your, your liver like synthesizes the THC or synthesizes it a lot differently. Like, like it's a lot stronger when you eat it. So like when I bake brownies and then I, and then I was like, I was like, I was like, oh fuck, I did pot. I was like, I was like, dude, I just did pot. And like, I'm sure at the time, because I was probably like 20. So I was 20 year old me. Um, I was probably like, oh, dude, I fucking did something illegal. Like I, I made myself feel really bad. And then I was, but it definitely like, I didn't want to believe it. Because for a while I was like, I haven't really told this. No, not making. I've a, never heard. Yeah, story. yeah, no. yeah. So not making a goddamn podcast about how I, <laughs> how I accidentally ate weed brownies. But uh, so because yeah, I was like scared to talk about it with anybody because I didn't want people to like think that I was some hardcore drug user or to get like turned in for pot or something like that. When in reality, like it was just a. I just thought I was eating regular brownies and they were super brownies. So, so yeah, I'm about 90 to 95% sure that those were pot brownies. I ate one to two, still kind of murky on that. And yeah, so there we go. That's story time with Fresh for you. Folks, if that doesn't get you listening to this podcast, I don't know what will. Yeah. We figured we'd spice it up a little bit here, but we do actually have some informational content. We'll keep it a little bit shorter. Um, we just wanted to touch on lagging body parts. So this is a common um, frustration for a lot of people. I know it is. It was for me, especially starting out, but usually um, everyone has, you know, they're more genetically gifted in certain areas than others. Um, and a lot of times uh, those areas uh, can not only look not as aesthetically pleasing, but also <clears throat> it can lead to some actually you know dangerous movements if you don't bring up the strength in those areas. Um, so we just wanted to touch on a few ways to solve uh, or to fix lagging body parts. Um, so French, you want to take it, or you want me to start off? Yeah, I'll take what I can spit out. I know. I'm gonna 
do a complete 180 from yeah. doing drugs to getting jacked. Um, which I guess you can take drugs to get more jacked, but that's, that's a podcast for another time. Yeah, that's another time. That time I actually did anabolic steroids. No, just kidding. <laughs> Trying to think I was, possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was say, if you do anabolic steroids by accident, um, it's probably not an accident. So basically, from what I know about, you know, bringing up a lagging body part, whether that be a certain lift or like strength wise or like size wise, there's a few like main tenants, principles, whatever you want to call them that I would follow. Um, and they're, they definitely could go in a particular order, but I'm just stating them in no particular order. So the first one that comes to my mind is going to be make sure that you're structuring your workout. So that body part is hit first within the workout. So say you're struggling to bring, you're trying to bring up your rear delts. A lot of times, you know, rear delts, it's a smaller muscle group, you know, maybe on your back or shoulder day, you would do some more compound pressing or heavy pulling exercises and rear delts might be one of the last things you do, which is all fine and good. But if you want to really bring up a body part, you want to make sure that you have the most energy and, you know, the most muscle glycogen possible to really give that exercise your all. I mean, I see um, one thing that I see some people doing now is like doing abs at the beginning of a workout or doing uh calf is another pretty popular one to do at the beginning of the workout because you know it's a small muscle it's easy to just want to kind of slop through your you know three sets of 15 at the end of a workout um if you do it at the beginning of the workout you're much you're much more likely to be intentional with it you know you'll find that you can probably push more weight or do it for more do the same weight for more reps or just have better intent better form so yeah and one thing before you move on to your next point uh, that I want to touch on there. Two points, actually. One, traditionally, you want to perform um, your most difficult, either higher skilled or just um, more compound movements first in your workout. Um, Whatever's going to fatigue you the most, yeah. you want that towards the front end. Yeah. So if you're an athlete, um, it's going to be the higher skilled movements first, like snatches or cleans. Um, but if you're if you're more so just training uh, for strength or size, um, then it's going to be those compound movements that are going to take the most out of you because that's what you need the most energy for. But um, like French said with the with the rear delts, um, something like rear delts and especially calves um, aren't going to really take that much out of you. So it's not like it's right. going to hinder your next exercise, um, even if it's a compound exercise. The other thing is to touch on rear delts specifically. Um, another reason why I, I almost always do my rear delts first is because if I do front and side delts um, before, one, I feel like I don't have as much energy like French said, and two, also, I feel like sometimes it's harder for me to get a mind-muscle connection with my rear delts because it's almost like my lateral uh, delts are taking over. Because um, you know, if you look at a lateral raise, as opposed to a rear delt, it's a very similar movement. Um, so that's another reason why you might want to place it first. So that's a really good point that you make, French. Yeah, and to jump off that, another thing is like, as you as your muscles fatigue throughout the workout, um, other muscle groups or other muscles that aren't you're not wanting to target could become a limiting factor in yes. the exercise. Yep. So like, um, maybe rear delts isn't the the best example, but I'm thinking like. You don't do, you don't usually do deadlifts 
at the end of a back workout because your grip could be a limiting factor and you're already, you know, if you've already done barbell rows, lat pull downs and a dumbbell row variation, your forearms and your grip are already fatigued a good amount. How are you supposed to, you know, pull anything respectable unless you're just going super lightweight for higher reps, but your grip strength, your forearms are going to be, and your biceps to some extent are going to be like a limiting factor in that. So that's another reason. Yeah. And if you're training for, for hypertrophy, I mean, strength actually a lot too, but if you're training for hypertrophy, this becomes even more so important. And, you know, th this is one of the finer things that, you know, if you look, if you start looking at custom programming, um, what a lot of personal trainers do, uh, it's these details that I think make a big difference, but there's a lot of movements that you have to be intentional about where you put them throughout the workout for that specific person, especially if they have a nagging, uh, or a lagging body part or something they want to place more emphasis on, because there's a lot of movements that will hinder that. For example, on my upper body days, one day out of the week, I put all my shoulder work first. Um, and then my arms second, because I do a full upper, uh, upper body day. Then the next upper body day, I put all my arms first and my shoulders second, because like French said, the later you get into the workout, the less energy you have. Um, so a lot of times when I would get to, by the time I got to arms, you know, I would usually do arms last, my shoulders were super fatigued and even doing something as simple as a tricep extension, you do still have to support your, your body with your shoulders just a little bit on that movement. Right. And if you're doing, you know, anything that really requires any arms that really require any support from your shoulders, which is a lot of movements that they will be sometimes a limiting factor. Um, and if you can't push far into that set, as far as intensity goes, because of, you know, your shoulders are holding you back, then if you continuously do that week after week after week, you're not really getting the most out of the movement. So that's kind of why I do that. And depending on where, what I want to emphasize, um, certain, you know, training cycles, I, I won't do that and I'll do something else, but that is something to, to factor in. Right. Yeah. So the next point I would probably say to bring up a lagging body part is to increase the frequency of how, when you're hitting that muscle. So, you know, as many people may know, a general rule of thumb is to hit every muscle group two times a week. That's pretty much been, you know, you can probably get away, not to say that one is bad, but you can get more out of it if you do at least two. And then anything over that, you know, kind of depending on your genetics, how you respond to training um, and what you're trying to bring up, you know, more more isn't always better. But the baseline of usually like two times a week for everything is usually a pretty good starting point for, for a lot of people. Or maybe for a beginner, you can get away with one. But for a lot of people, two times a week is going to be that sweet spot. But – if you have a lagging body part that's being kind of stubborn, definitely experiment with uh, upping the frequency. A lot of times when, you know, when I think of lagging body parts, a lot of times it's usually the smaller muscle groups. Not to say that it's always a thing, but it's usually like, oh, my like rear delts or my calves or something like that. With those kind of muscles, like smaller muscle groups, you know, I think I'm pretty confident that I could hit calves five, six, maybe even seven days a week for a certain amount of time. And as long as I'm like 
adjusting load and periodizing correctly, I'm not going to run into too many problems. Like same thing with like arms. It's a smaller muscle group. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be curling 50 pound dumbbells and creating a ton of central nervous system fatigue to the point where I'm just going to be thrashed for my next workout because I lifted arms too hard. Like stuff like that. You can really play around with the frequency, maybe, you know, go up to three times a week, maybe even four times a week. And, you know, just at the beginning of every workout, you hit a few sets for an exercise for that said muscle group, or maybe even play around with it. You know, you do your usual work for that week. And then maybe at the end of a couple of days, you know, say you hit legs and then at the end of your leg day, you hit a few sets of rear delts if you're trying to target that. Or if you're trying to target calves, maybe on your upper body day or push pull day, whatever you want to call it, depends on what type of split you're on. Uh, you hit upper body, and then at the end of your upper body workout, hit a few sets of calves if you're trying to bring that up as a lagging body part. So frequency is another one where um, a lot of variability, a lot of room to kind of play around with. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to be a rocket science to figure this out. I mean, if you want to get better at something, what do you do? You do it more often. Um, so, you know, I, I remember hearing Arnold talk about this. Um, this is, you know hyper-specific to bodybuilding, but it, he kind of saw it as uh, sculpting um, like a uh, statue. He said it's, you know, it looks like the side delts need a little bit more then you slap a little more clay on. You know, it's, it's the same way. It's obviously not that simple. It takes a lot of hard work, but um, it took me a while to realize that, um, you know, because I always had these structured plans. This is exactly what I'm going to do for the next, you know, two months or whatever. Um, but you can add more work on certain days, um, as long as you're giving your body enough time to recover. But the thing is, like French said, a lot of times these muscles are the smaller muscles, um, and the smaller muscles can take more volume because they're smaller. Um, you're not going to be able to do as much damage to a smaller muscle. Um, so it's going to take more volume overall to really get the most out of it. But that's okay because they also recover quicker because there's not as much, you know, localized, there's not as much damage. Right. Um, so, you know, that's why it's probably better to hit your arms two to three times a week. You know, obviously it's going to depend on the person. It could be maybe more like one to two. It could be more like three to four, but it's probably better to hit it two to three times a week as opposed to hitting it once a week and doing a ton of volume that one day. Because by the time you get halfway through that workout, that volume is not really going to be that quality because you're going to be so tired. Um, you know, on average, people need 10 to 20 sets a week to grow. So, you know, instead of doing, you know, let's say you specifically need 15 sets a week to grow. Instead of doing 15 sets one day a week, you might be better off doing five sets three times a week right. um, or eight sets and then seven sets on different days. Yeah. Um, so to get better at something, you just do it more. Um, and when I was, when I was really into my powerlifting, um, stint there, when I increase my bench press to four times a week, which is a lot, um, you just get better at it. You get, you grease that groove, you get so in tune with that movement and how to perform it, um, that you get better at it. Uh, and as long as you're recovering properly, then that's going to be the same way for hypertrophy. Yeah, if you guys want to learn more about uh, junk volume, Nolan did a solo episode not too long ago on junk volume, so yeah. shameless plug. Um, 
The third one that I would say, and this kind of plays into frequency a little bit, is just overall total volume. And when volume, you know, there's a lot of ways to measure it. Um, I think a simple way to do it is just kind of total sets throughout the week performed per muscle group. Um, And obviously, frequency can play into that. It definitely does play into that as well. You know, you can do the same amount of sets, but if you're doing three sets five times a week versus two times a week, your volume is going to be, your total volume is going to be more. So you can just, you can either add, you know, we already touched on frequency. You can add sets per session, you know, increase, you know, one set, add one set to each session per week. Uh, I wouldn't probably add more than two sets to a session to start out with. You know, you don't always, you don't all of a sudden want to go from three sets to six or seven sets on a certain exercise. Um, that's just not smart in most uh, most cases. Um, you can also add reps. So instead of doing three sets of 12, um, maybe use the same weight and try to push for three sets of 15 or even 13 or 14. You know, that's what progressive overload is. Um, you can increase the weight and, you know, maybe try to hit three sets of 12 with five more pounds or maybe even going a little bit more heavy and dropping the reps a little bit more to see if that muscle maybe, you know, maybe the muscle group you're trying to target um, reacts better to heavier loads than lighter loads. You know, everybody's genetics are different. Um, So overall volume, a lot of ways to kind of skin that cat, but the main ones are going to be, you know, sets, reps, weight, and then frequency to an extent as well. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Yep. And then the only, the other main one I can think of is just kind of like, um, I guess we could call it special training techniques. Like, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people are, I mean, everyone's probably familiar with just straight sets. You know, you do a set of one exercise, rest, perform perform another set of that same exercise until you're done with that exercise. Then you move on to another one. Um, a lot of people are probably also familiar with, um, supersets, which is basically, now, depending on who you ask, supersets and uh, some people call them compound sets. I know some people kind of differentiate between two different exercises that are working the same muscle group and two different exercises that are working like different muscle groups or even opposing muscle groups. Um, but for the sake of this, I've always just characterized a superset as more than one, like two or more exercises or basically just two exercises done back to back, you know, they could be the same muscle group. A lot of times there may be, you know, maybe it's a bicep and a tricep exercise, mm-hmm. but I guess for the sake of this, uh, this podcast, it would be, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to grow my biceps. Maybe I do, uh, like a preacher curl, like a dumbbell preacher curl. And then I superset that with a cable hammer curl or something like that. So, doing two exercises back to back targeting the same muscle group then taking a rest and then doing that again for however many sets that you want to do so those are definitely if you want to get a pump that's definitely a good way to do it um the only thing you got to worry about then is it's a lot easier to let your form break down so you want to be conscious of that um drop sets are that's these are a big one that i'm a fan of yeah drop sets are probably honestly one of my favorites like if you're really looking to cause some muscle damage and i think these are best done on smaller muscle groups although we've definitely done them on you know i I was gonna say back in high school we did a we did a burnout like a drop set burnout set on bench press with uh i was gonna say haven't you done them on deadlifts too or probably 
Like, I was I've gonna say so many we, stupid yeah, things. Yeah, we've we've been around the block a few times, guys. Yeah. I remember we did it with uh, we got either I think it was like all the fives in the weight room, all the oh, five yeah. pound. It was either five pound plates or ten pound plates in the weight room. Slapped him on a bench press and did something. Felt like I was under the bar for like ten minutes, oh, which yeah. I which I probably was. And yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a story for another day. Um, so basically, what you would do. I like these. The best place to do these, I think, is on a cable machine because you can just switch the rate, switch the weight really quickly, uh, as opposed to taking off um, plates. It's a little bit more takes more time. And what you really want is like be able to just go right into that next set. It's also really nice to do if you have a partner because they can switch the weight really quickly, and all you have to worry about is performing the exercise. So, um, cable curls, for an example, you start with a decently heavy weight that you can get for, you know, eight to 10 reps. You just keep, you know, sometimes you drop the weight just one slot every time. And maybe you have um, a certain amount of sets you want to go to, or maybe, you know, a lot of times in high school, we would just go to failure or pass failure if that's even possible. Um, And just kind of, you know, we would, I feel like we would just do, sometimes we would just do like 10 each or just do as many as we could and then keep dropping the weight until we basically couldn't do any more. Um, I remember sometimes we would do like a random where your partner would just pick the weight for you. And sometimes it would be super light, but sometimes it would be super heavy and kind of just go that way. But I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of drop sets for like smaller muscle groups. So like probably like rear delts, side delts, buys, tries, um, calves, probably, um, I mean, you can do them with anything, like we said, yeah. but uh, definitely better for smaller muscle groups. Another one I want to talk about is, uh, oh, let's see, I'm not really super experienced with these. They're kind of just like a similar to a superset, but they're called uh, giant sets. And what I mean, some people, some people talk about giant sets and what they mean by that is it's like a bunch of different exercises. So basically just an expanded superset. Maybe you'll have five or six different movements and just kind of like sim- it's similar to circuit training yeah almost. yeah just i was just gonna say a lot of times they call it giant sets because it's with a lot of similar exercises um and that's typically more closer to like three to five exercises but right um yeah it's it's similar to the it's structure like of circuit training right right but um and i could probably find a, a better word for this but Giant sets in this context, I'm talking of you pick a certain amount of total reps and you pick a weight to perform them at. So say I'm doing a lat pull down and I want to hit 50 total reps at, you know, 120 pounds just for the sake of this conversation. And obviously for most people, I mean, for me, myself, there's no way I'm doing 50 reps in one set. So say I get 15 on my first set. I rest, I wait until I feel I'm enough, like recovered enough to hit another set that that I can get more than like five reps. And you're not shooting for like, you're shooting for as many reps as you kind of can and say I get 12 the next set. Okay, now I'm at 27 total. I have to do that until I get to that set number. And then throughout the weeks, maybe you go 60 reps or you do 50 reps again at 130 pounds. That's kind of a fun way. It's definitely a fun way to challenge yourself and you'll definitely see it's working if you keep getting less and less reps each time you uh, you hit the weight. Because, I mean, 
you might as well just do like, if you can get 10 reps every time, why don't you just do five sets of 10? You probably need to increase the weight or increase the amount of reps, but that's another fun one. Um, you got anything on that? Um, pyramids. Ooh, yeah. Uh, pyramids are something that I want, I wanted to talk about because I think they're great and I've seen, uh, you know, a lot of um, strength improvements from them. One thing I will say, I'm not saying they're bad for hypertrophy, but they can be a little bit hard to track um, progress with um, and periodization and to, to periodize because the more traditional approach um, would be just picking one weight. And then, you know, I like to use it from fail system where, you know, you're shooting to be within, you know, let's say three reps of failure, and then you give yourself a rep range. So let's say it's 15 to 20 reps. Um, and on the first set you get 20, then you get 20 and then you get 18. Now the next week, if I get 20, then I know I need to bump the weight up. Otherwise I'm not changing the weight. Whereas with period, period set or pyramid sets, um, you're basically either increasing the weight as you decrease the reps or vice versa. Um, the nice thing about the from fail system is, you know, exactly when to adjust the weight. Um, sometimes with pyramids, as you know, you decrease the reps or, or increase the reps, but more uh, traditionally decrease the reps, you increase the weight, but de depending on the week, those num the weight that you use could vary a lot. So I think it's a little bit harder to, um, track and it's also can sometimes be, I don't know, a little bit harder to, perf to perform. The thing is it's fun if you like, um, working up to heavier weights. So I don't think they're inherently bad. I just, I think it can kind of be difficult to track long-term, but yeah, I, it's not a bad idea for a special technique. Yep. I agree with that. Um, another one that I can think of, this is kind of more new age, but it definitely does have evidence to support is a uh, blood flow restriction training, or some people call it occlusion training. So most people, have, a lot of people have probably seen, you know, you probably see it on Instagram, honestly, like those blood flow restriction cups, you put them, you know, any muscle that's like on a limb can be occluded. So calves can be occluded, um, quads, hamstrings, biceps, triceps. I guess you could do your forearms too if you're into that. Um, but I have a couple, I have a pair of uh, blood flow restriction bands. I've only, I've used them, I use them mainly on my arms. It's not something that I use like every time I go to the gym. I think they're kind of like a tool in the toolbox that, you know, you definitely want to start with the simple stuff. That's the thing with all these techniques too. Exactly, exactly. You don't want to jump. There's not there's not nothing inherently bad about jumping right to them, but if you can get something out of just doing straight sets and just kind of milk that out for as much as you can possibly get out of it, then you're going then when you incorporate something like a superset, you're going to get that much like more out of it as opposed to just exploiting all your resources at once before you really got a chance to kind of milk that progress out of the simple stuff. It's the same thing. You know, I talked about this in, in my junk volume podcast. It's the same concept as performing so many different exercises for one muscle group. So a lot of times people, uh, you know, it's a lot, it's different with arms, but we'll take chest for example. A lot of times people like to do, you know, I remember it was super popular when I was in high school They you needed to do a flat, an incline, you know, sometimes people would even do a decline and then also a fly. And then on their next chest day, 
they do the opposite um, exercise with a dumbbell instead of a barbell this time, or instead of a cable fly, they do a dumbbell fly. And when you perform all these different exercises, you know, let's take back, for example, you do pull downs, rows, um, dumbbell rows, you know, all the different exercises, because you want to, you think more is better. You eventually run out of exercises and those exercises become stale. So it's the same concept here. You're really just pulling these tricks out when you need them. Um, and typically you pull them out towards the end of your training cycle because these techniques are pretty intense. So a lot of times they're not really, you can't maintain them for that long. So what I like to do a lot of times is if I train for six to eight weeks or four to six weeks or whatever it is, um, sometimes not even every single training cycle, but you know, maybe a couple training cycles out of the year, the last few weeks I'll perform these special techniques. That's really how often I use them. Otherwise, you know, I'll use them for fun occasionally if I'm training with friends, cause you know, you gotta have fun every once in a while, yeah. but they're not something that's a staple exercise. In my opinion, if you're, if you're in a high, if you're a, you know, more advanced trainee, you might need these techniques to see any growth, but, um, 100%. this, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I 100% agree. No, definitely blood flow restriction is definitely fun when you're with friends. That's something that's definitely fun to play with. Um, uh, another thing that they're really good for is the thing is when you use the blood flow restriction cuffs, you don't use the same weight that you would before. It's much more difficult. And like when I do them, I usually curl, like I'm doing some dumbbell curls. I'm doing like 10, 15 yeah. pound dumbbells, like 20 pounds, no more than like 20 pound dumbbells. I usually grab like 15s after like doing 10, 15 reps of those. I got like the biggest pump ever because, you know, you know, basically, um, I don't really know the, the, like the science behind the pump, but what I understand is like, it's excessive blood flow to that muscle. Mm -hmm. Now, if you restrict that part of the body, it's just going to force that much more blood into there. So you get a pump, you know, with less weight and in less time. So what it is good for is if you're on a time crunch, I would say a lot of these are good for, if you're on a time crunch, you know, pairing exercises together and supersets in general, but if you are in a time crunch, um, you'll get a pump real quick because you don't want to be wearing, you definitely don't want to be wearing these things for 20, 30 minutes. Like you put them on for that exercise, you do the sets and you get in and get out because obviously if you're just constricting blood flow for too long, that's not good. Another thing it's good for is people that are returning from injury because you can definitely still get a lot of really good blood flow without having a ton of weight using a ton of weight. Um, it's just easier on the joints for that reason. It's also better for like elderly people that have joint problems. Um, so yeah, it's a really interesting technique. You can do them for, I did them with, uh, I'd be interested to try them with like leg extensions or, uh, I think I did them with lunges once. And I don't think, see the placement of the cuffs is also important and you have to make sure that they're tight enough, but not too tight. And I think I didn't, I probably didn't have them tight enough because I didn't notice a whole lot, but um, it'd be interesting to kind of experiment with those again. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a million different techniques, but so I don't want to keep rambling on about them. Um, another one that I don't know if it has as much scientific support, um, but I'll explain my reasoning. Another technique would be like pre-exhaust. 
Ooh, um, yeah. So a, a lot of people are finding this to be more popular. Um, so basically what it is, is you're performing either the same exercise with different weight or usually a different exercise for a muscle group, um, typically higher reps uh, to really kind of just burn out, not burn out, but get your muscles ready for um, the actual working sets that you're going to do with a different exercise. Um, and I don't know how much scientific support that this has, but what I have found is I like to include it for muscles that I have a hard time developing a mind muscle connection with because I yeah. think it aids in that. Yeah. Specifically sure. rear delts. Um, I like to do a lot of like band pull aparts um, before or even during, like I'll superset with my dumbbell rear delt flies. Um, I like doing that. Um, it just really kind of helps you develop that connection if you don't have it. Um, again, I'm not sure how much scientific support there is for that, but um, I've kind of found that it helps me develop a, a more, more of a mind-muscle connection. And with rear delts, a lot of the times, because that's a um, more difficult area to train, like it's harder to develop that mind-muscle connection, a lot of times they you just need more sets to get into it anyways. So a lot of times I'll do four or five sets of rear delts because the first two sets, I'm, I'm not feeling it a ton. By the third set, I'm starting to feel it. So that's when the sets start to become effective. Um, so that's just another way to kind of get you ready for that, um, to kind of do that faster, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, do you have anything else? No, I mean... Besides steroids, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, the basics are just. I mean, it's it's not overly complex. Make sure you're making it a point of emphasis. Do it more often, and then if you need to, try out some of those special techniques. Um, and another thing, another point that I wanted to make, I almost forgot, is if there is an exercise that you know might be popular but you don't have, but you don't really feel it when you do that exercise, don't do that exercise. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously there's some, there's some standard barbell movements. Um, you know, John Meadows said the basics done with intensity over time produce the best results. Um, but if you, you there's obviously some tr classic exercises that I think almost 99% of the population should be doing, but if you don't feel, you know, a cable curl, just do a dumbbell curl or do a different curl. You don't have to do that exercise. If you do have an exercise that you feel really well, do that exercise. Obviously, you can't. You might not be able to do it forever. And you have, that's why we swap out exercises. That's the point of variation. But do exercises that work for you. Right. Yeah. The mind muscle connection is a real thing, guys. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's some, especially for like smaller muscle groups. I think. Um, I mean, at some point, if you're doing like a heavy squat, if you're doing a squat with good technique and going full ROM, it doesn't really matter if you feel it or not. Yeah. Something's working, but uh, you're gonna be sore. Yeah, you're gonna be sore, and your quads are gonna be getting some work. But uh, yeah, do the simple things savagely well. A lot of the stuff that you see on Instagram that's flashy and new is just that. It's on there because people want to get noticed, and nothing wrong with that. But I mean, I think. You know, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that's really effective, it isn't sexy. That's why people don't want to do it. But like Nolan said, you know, the basics done over time with intensity 
and intent um, are going to get you the best results 99% of the time. Yeah. There's a, you know, every so often there's someone who makes a lot of money by popularizing a training method from a long time ago that kind of got swept under the rug. But nowadays there's not a ton of people inventing a whole lot of new exercises. They'll invent new machines in different angles sometimes. Yeah. But when you see people doing um, the barbell or the dumbbell curl where they grab each side of the dumbbell and curl mm. up, That's people I want to punch that, that person in the face because you're taking both your arms to lift less weight. Like you could be doing more weight if you just did a barbell curl or if you did an easy right. bar curl or if you just curled two dumbbells and you do not have to reinvent the wheel. Like if you have a specific angle of something that feels better for you or you have to adjust your technique to, you know, feel, uh, feel it a little bit better, that's fine. But when you start attaching chains and reverse bands and stability balls, stability balls and all God. this, all this bullshit just to look flashy, like that's all great and all, but that's most of the time it's probably bullshit. Yeah. And a lot of time that's how you can get hurt too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. so that's basically how to bring up lagging body parts. Um, I mean, also just, just look stuff up what's worked for other people. Um, one of the things with my shoulders in general, I was doing a ton of shoulder work, um, or I thought I was doing a ton of shoulder work back before. And I just felt like my shoulders weren't growing. One of the things that I learned was, um, I was doing a lot of pressing and, uh, I would just do a bunch of uh, shoulder press. Um, when in reality, a lot of times that capped look that people, uh, are after when it comes to the shoulder is from the, the side delt. Um, and I was doing a ton of front delt work with that, with those shoulder presses. Um, and we already get so much front delt work from pressing movements anyways. So I pretty much cut out all my front delt work, um, and just started focusing on side and rear delts. Um, I also, took them through a lot of different rep ranges, which is another thing. Um, you know, don't just do sets of 15 to 20, try out heavier sets. Um, try putting them at a different place within the week. Cause sometimes if you are only training them at the end of the week, you know, you're just tired from the whole week in general. Um, so, you know, there's a ton of different stuff that you can do. Um, and you know, it's going to, be different for everyone. Our bodies are made differently, but I think these are the things, the main things that will help you. Um, and the biggest one being, I think just, um, doing whatever you need to do more often. So, yeah, no, I think that was a pretty good episode. Um, I, I covered it pretty much everything that I know, at least as, yeah. far as that subject goes, there's definitely, I mean, obviously we're not the smartest people in the world. There's definitely more out there if you want it, but, um, I think that's a good, good start for most people that's probably more just taking the stuff from what we talked about you could probably do you know all those advanced techniques you could span those over a year plus of training probably and also when we get into those special techniques there's a lot of special techniques um the ones we listed i think are probably the more science like tried and science based ones the ones that actually have evidence and support behind them um there's probably more out there yeah Um, and there's obviously old old school bodybuilding tricks of the trade or whatever. But, um, the closer you get to that end of the spectrum, the closer you get to that stuff we were talking about wanting to avoid, which is 
kind of the flashy Instagram BS. So um, keep that in mind uh, and, and try those out and know also that it's going to take time. Um, I've been trying to bring my shoulders up for a year and a half, two years. Um, and it takes time. It takes, it does. really, it takes like, I mean, I don't mean to get into specifics here, but it's going to take 12 weeks for you to see any, you know, significant hypertrophy changes. Um, unless you're a newbie yeah, was or a genetic free more if you've been lifting for a long yeah. time. So. And yeah. And if you're, if you're more in advance, it's going to take a lot longer than that. So give it time. Um, but that's our episode for you guys. Um, if you have other topic suggestions, just DM us or, um, follow us on Instagram fit for thought. A lot of times we put out, um, little polls of what you guys want to hear next, uh, and stay tuned. Cause, um, we're going to be re- releasing a lot of episodes uh expect one a week and uh yeah see you in our next episode yeah peace guys stay tuned with stay tuned for uh story time with french yeah no (laughs) kidding peace